episode 46 with cleveland.com and cleveland plain dealer reporter troy l smith troy is a uh, recent recent clevelander he just moved to cleveland about five years ago uh, from new york but uh is the entertainment and culture reporter for cleveland.com and also covers the ufc so i wanted to bring troy on and and talk a lot of ufc today that was our prime focus for the majority of the conversation, and Troy's got a lot of nice insight, knowledge uh, of the sport and of the of the uh, organization, how it's unfolded, and we obviously talk about our hometown boy Stipe, uh, the what, what's next for Stipe, what's next for Cormier, what's next for all these various fighters in different divisions. So, if you like the UFC, you're going to love this episode. If you don't like the UFC and want to learn a little bit about it, you may like it as well. And if you don't like the UFC, then I guess you can just tune on. Go, go put on a, you know, married with children or something for the night. But anyway, without further ado, please welcome the one and only Troy L. Smith. The Optimal Life. So how did you get here from, uh, how did you make your way from New York to Cleveland, man? How did that all uh, unfold? Just a job, you know, I was, I was basically covering uh, the same exact stuff I cover here at Cleveland.com in Rochester, New York, is where I'm from. Um, and I got a recruiter reach out to me about a job at Cleveland.com and the same company owns uh, the Syracuse.com and I had been in talks with them about potentially doing some stuff, so... They just reached out to me. I came down, and the job was what I what I wanted. And then LeBron came back. It was like, oh, this is a good idea. I'm glad we, we moved. Um, <laughs> so now that he's leaving, I'm leaving. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Wait, so, so that what, was for the job. Yeah, so you came back here, what was it, like uh, four or five years back? Almost five years. It be five years in October. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're pretty familiar with the city at this point. I mean, you've got it figured out. Yeah, I think so. I like to think so. I'm always, it's cool. You still discover new stuff, but mm-hmm. I am a Clevelander. I consider myself a Clevelander. So what did you think about the move, man? What, were you uh, were you surprised with him going to Los Angeles, or is it what you expected? I mean, it's easy to say now in retrospect, like, oh, it's obvious he was always going to L.A., but, you know, I think we all thought it was about winning. So when you saw the team and the roster that, LA had unless he was going to do something like he did with Miami with D Wade and Chris Bosh LA didn't make sense you know especially you have Paul George re-up with OKC obviously the Kawhi Leonard thing didn't work out at least now so I was surprised I thought there was a good chance he could stay in Cleveland and it's a weird thing because Cleveland couldn't make any moves that might entice LeBron to stay but that's kind of because of LeBron so right so um, I guess I was a I guess I was a little surprised, but in retrospect, it seems obvious to everyone. I think. Yeah, well, especially with him with the homes there, and yeah, he gets off the plane. I think I knew it was over when I saw the a helicopter or drone or whatever following him as he got off a plane in L.A. to his hotel. It's kind of like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he he had that figure. Do you do you cover the Cavs at all during the season? No, I mean we have a couple Cavs reporters. Joe Varden does a really good job of that. Um, we handle, you know, a couple of us handle more cultural stuff, lifestyle stuff, you know, sneakers, 
uh, some of James' entertainment ventures, so I'm familiar a lot with that. But I'm also a basketball fan, so I'm very familiar with, with the Cavs. So do you know these guys personally? No, I, have, I don't no. know any of them. Um, we've had some interaction, like I said, when it comes to um, you know some of the sneaker stuff they do or entertainment projects. You know, I covered the train wreck premiere. Uh, when LeBron had that uh, in Cleveland with Amy Schumer and everyone, but mm-hmm. I'm not interviewing them on a on a daily basis like some of the hardcore Cavs reporters are. Right, right, okay. So, so you're really you're really more focused on the entertainment and uh, cultural aspect, but because I, I see you tying in a lot of the sports stuff too, it, it kind of blends in together, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. first, you know, when it comes to like UFC or something, I cover that wholeheartedly, completely. So I cover the sports aspect of that. Because I just know more about it than anybody at the office, I guess. Um, and I did a lot of coverage of that in New York State because the, when I was there working as an entertainment reporter and a business reporter for a little bit, they were try, still trying to legalize MMA there. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, so I covered a lot of that. And with uh, the entertainment aspects, if you look at websites like um, Complex or even some of the hip-hop sites um, that really follow these players on social media, what they're up to, the parties they're at. There's an audience for that, and we've tried to channel that a little bit um, as well. So that's how we became familiar with, you know, what TV shows LeBron was producing, what his movie exploits were going to be. Everyone else handled the basketball X's and O's. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's 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 a phenomenal sport, MMA. It's actually, to me, one of my favorite sports, maybe my most favorite sports, just because the stakes are so high every time these guys walk that walk down to the octagon. Um, it's, like what, that, yeah. it's like that line from The Wire. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but um, anybody can get got where it's like yeah. uh, <laughs> at any moment, no one's, no one's invincible, you know? Um, yeah, it's a different the, feeling. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, it's a different feeling than watching a, a Cleveland Browns game or a Cavs game or, or any professional sports, for that matter. Uh, watching a guy like that you have a high interest in, like a Stipe Miocic or uh, a Conor McGregor, it's these guys that, that you, you become huge fans of personally, and when you see those guys walking that walk, I mean, it's an indescribable feeling for a lot of true diehard fans, which I, I assume you're one of them. Yeah, I mean, I've... You know, to, to first to touch on the the what I mean, it's it's an investment. Like I I was a fan of I interviewed Cody Garbrandt before he won the belt, and um, obviously he lost it to TJ Dillashaw. I watched that fight live. I can't watch that fight. I like Cody. Um, <laughs> I, I got to know him. I can't watch him get knocked out. And lose. It was on the other day. I was watching like the UFC's top twenty five fights, and that was like a bonus fight. And I'm like, I just turned the channel. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Um, I don't think I could watch Steve get knocked out by Daniel Cormier again. Oh, um, then don't then don't watch my Instagram story right now. So <laughs> what's that? Oh, I said then don't watch my Instagram story because uh, well, I had DC on my on my podcast a few weeks before the fight, so Man. I just wanted to remind everyone that hasn't listened go go check it out. But yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm a huge fan of Cody Garbrandt. Well, he's an Ohio boy. Right. So I'm a big fan of anyone that comes from the state, of course. But I just love his whole thing. Uh, Garbrandt is, to me, one of the top fighters in the world. And he's still relative. I mean, he's still young and yeah. has so much potential. I know he held the belt already once, but he's undoubtedly going to hold that belt again. 
and he's yeah, I mean, probably going to hold it for a long time. The way that is, they had the trio of guys with Dillashaw, Cruz, and Garbrandt. I think any of them could beat the other on any given night. And you know, Garbrandt's already or uh, Dillashaw talks about going down. I mean, who knows? But yeah, I'm with you. What is what is how old is Cody? He's like 24. Uh, I was going to say mid. Yeah, I was going to say mid 20s. Um, yeah. I was going to say mid 20s. He's the number one. I'm um, looking at the rankings right now. He's the number one bantamweight, obviously, behind uh, Dillashaw at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah. like he's it's kind of similar. To not not the level. I don't want to confuse people with Cody. But when John Jones started getting great, he was so young. That was the scariest thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and Cody, I'm looking at it here. Cody's uh, was born in July of 91, so he's 27. He just, he just turned 27. Every time you got someone who's born in the 90s, it makes me feel old. Isn't that crazy? Uh, <laughs> what, 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 how old are you? When were you born? Uh, I was born in 84. I'm 34. Okay. And it's like, you know, yeah. for a long time, you didn't know anyone, really. Like, it was like a, a niece or a cousin or someone that was born yeah. in the 90s. I know. It's just, I used to, yeah, exactly. When, I, when people used to be born in the 90s, they were like, for me, I think of 90s, I think of like five-year-olds. You know what I mean? I was, I was born in 81, so it's similar. Yeah, we're still in. And you know, that's why I bet, you know, when you ask about being a hardcore MMA fan, I never watch MMA in my life. And the and I liked TV, you know, I was an entertainment reporter. And I fell in love with that first season of the Ultimate Fighter reality series. Uh-huh. And sure. like, it, probably so many people my age have that story of, well, then I watched the finale and Bonner and Forrest Griffin are fighting. And then I just became immersed in the sport. So level, diehard level, you know, that's me. You know, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going, you're going back, what, 15 years, <laughs> right? I mean, something like that. It doesn't seem that long ago, but yes, uh, <laughs> it, it is. It goes back, ago. man. It goes, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? I went to St. Bonaventure University in the Southern tier of New York. Oh, okay. Okay. Bonnie's Division One basketball uh, diehard fan base. That's very small, terrifying. Yeah, it's always terrifying when you have that. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. They, they they live and die by the sword. They live and die by the team when it, when it's like that. So if what the team's did you a- think of? I was going to you mentioned you had Cormier on your podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you think of him winning? You know, obviously, you know, Stepe's from here. We're all rooting for Stepe, but I, I kind of felt good for for Cormier after you know um, the Jones situation. You know what? Um, to be honest with you, I actually had Cormier winning that fight, and uh, and and I could. We, I was actually at my buddy's bachelor party week for the weekend. We were in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, literally, <laughs> literally three hours south of Cleveland. I have not a. You couldn't get me back there if I tried. So we, we had nothing to do. We had nothing to do that weekend but play drinking games, yard games, and, and of course order the fight. So. Uh, what we did was we were going around and, and you know everyone was putting a bet down on, on who who was going to win what round you know what round and how are they going to win and I had Cormier winning in like a long fight like I thought it was going to go like four or five rounds I didn't see it happening in the first round but I, I just I just everything I've seen from him um, he was undefeated everyone was looking overlooking the fact that he's been undefeated his whole career at both light heavyweight and heavyweight I mean he he ran through strike force. Uh, at heavyweight, won the Grand Prix. He came back. The only reason he ever left heavyweight was because of his buddy Velasquez. Came Velasquez down there at AKA. They weren't going to fight each other. So he said, hey, I'm the smaller guy, naturally. I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to go down to 205. And uh, he was always phenomenal at 205. We, always, we, we know there's one guy that he couldn't beat at 205 who's probably the best fighter of all time in John Jones. But... Um, I, I think that, that Cormier is really probably a natural heavyweight. 
and, and when, I think, you know, yeah, he seemed, you know, I think the weight cut was what was any, if anything was slowing him at, at light heavyweight, it was obviously the weight cut. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so my point is, and I was talking to his manager and these guys felt pretty comfortable going into the fight saying, Hey, we know Stipe's a badass and he's one of the best ever, but, uh, we like, we like the way the matchup works. And as you know, it's all about matchups. And, and Cormier is a different kind of fighter at, at the heavyweight. You see him, I mean, he touched Stipe, and that was it, man. I mean, was, I don't think he was um, able to do that you know, at 205. Greco Roman trick that Dan Henderson liked to pull. Um, you know, I had Stipe winning, but obviously it became pretty clear in the first round that someone was getting knocked out. Um, neither of them was holding back. And. I was actually a little, you know, I don't want to criticize Stipe. I, I don't, I didn't like his strategy. I thought it was a little sloppy and he fought Cormier's fight. I think John Jones, and, and hey, maybe John Jones is the only guy can do this. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, he laid the blueprint for beating Cormier. Um, keep him a little bit away from you with the jab and, and the kicks and, and pick your moment. Um, but he, they were just throwing haymakers, man. <laughs> well, they were both tagging each other, like you said, yeah. in the first two, three minutes of the fight. We're like, oh, shit, somebody's going down. There's no yeah, doubt it about it. it's just a matter of time. Like, I'm yeah. just sitting there. I'm like, Cormier likes to sit on, you know, a lot of wrestlers like to sit on the hip for a takedown. And it's just a natural instinct, even though I don't think Cormier had too many plans to take Stipe down. Um, and I thought that's where Stipe could catch him. If you watch the John Jones fight, that's how John Jones knocked Cormier out, caught him with that leg kick to... Cormier's right side because Cormier leans to that hip a little bit, but Stipe—they were just throwing haymakers. I don't know if Stipe felt in- invincible or what. Um, but <laughs> I think caught. Stipe wanted to finish that fight as quickly as he could. And uh, yeah, I think you know. he learned from the Junior Dos Santos fights better. You know, if they went to the deep waters, I'm with you. I think Cormier was going to get the win. Yeah, yeah, it was a tremendous fight, man. And I said to him on my podcast, and I actually had Jim Walter on. He was Stipe's—he's Stipe's manager. Right. Uh, so Jim came on the. Ironically, I had Jim on and then DC on like a few days later. Just completely coincidental the way it worked out. But, um, you know, uh, I had uh, I had those guys on, and I just I just thought that uh, based upon the circumstances that um, that Cormier was was going to get it done. And uh, as much as I love Stipe, man, we were all rooting for Stipe, don't get me wrong. But who knows what was going on in Stipe's life? I guess my point is with, with Jim Walter. Right. You know, Stipe was is having a – his wife's nine months pregnant at the time. And uh, not to make excuses. I mean, who knows? I, I would love to see a rematch. But, uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, like I said, I feel like I don't want to make excuses either. And, and I just thought that the way they fought – it was one of the few times it reminded me it didn't actually remind me I was going to say it reminded me of the Overeem fight but it just I didn't get the strategy I guess I just didn't get it yeah um, if you saw Cormier beat up those heavyweights um, Josh Barnett uh, Bigfoot those guys yeah. Mew just fought them the same exact way yeah you know I, I guess on the flip side of it though so if I were to ask you if you didn't like that strategy which I, I'm not disagreeing but on the flip side, is what what would you have liked to see Stipe do instead? Stipe is a better technical boxer. I mean, and Cormier knows that he's not a technical jab hook guy. Stipe could have, if you watch, especially if you watch the original Dos Santos fight and some of his other fights against guys like Mark Hunt um, and uh, Roy Nelson, guys who can also knock you out and are sluggers. He more picked them apart as a boxer, and I felt he kind of threw that out the window against Cormier pretty quick and it became 
let's knock someone out. And I understand wanting to get that fight over with early, but I think you have to utilize the John Jones technique, which is pick them apart, be more technical. Cormier's going to push you and try to rush you, but if you can be more technical and wait for the right moment to catch him, that's what John Jones did. I, I would have liked to see Stipe do that and, and wait on the right moment to throw the haymaker. And instead, he, he, he literally he definitely walked into Cormier's game. I mean, they were in a Greco-Roman clinch. And yeah. that's the old, I call it the Dan Henderson trick because Henderson's done it to so many people with the H-bomb. Catch them coming out of that clinch with their hands down because they're not used to it. And boom, you're done. Just ask Michael Bisbing, right? Uh, well, that's a whole different. That's, uh, <laughs> that was got absurd. One job is made no move to yeah. your left. <laughs> that was ridiculous, man. That was ridiculous. But, hey, uh, you know, I when you I, become you when you become. I, speak for everyone. I think a lot of people wanted to see that happen to Michael yeah. at that point in his career. Yeah, be a little a little slice of humble pie never hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you become the logo for somebody's, <laughs> when you become like the guy's signature like brand logo, uh, oh, you're on the man, other end of it. That's pretty pretty impressive. Um, but back to Stipe, yeah, I, I actually think that, yeah, it's interesting. I think that your analysis is pretty uh, is is pretty spot on because that's really the type of style that got him to the got him to the gold was was that exact style. Pick them apart, pick them apart, and then find your spot. And uh, it seems like he got away from that in this last fight for whatever reason. For whatever well, you know reason, how it is, know. though, right? Like, forget the Naganyu fight where you're just terrified a guy is going to knock your head off your shoulders, which anyone should be with Naganyu, regardless of how terrible he is in other aspects of MMA. Um, you get in love with knocking people out. You knocked out DeSantos, knocked out Overeem. You know, you're knocking all these people out, knocked out Verdum. You start, I think you start feeling that, you know, first round knockout. Um, I maybe fell in love with that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, you know what? It'll be interesting to see what happens once uh, his wife has the baby here and he has some time to rejuvenate, recuperate, and, and get back to the drawing board. I, I would. It would be a shame to not see him get a, a, an opportunity to fight him again. I, I don't think DC and him will ever fight again, but it will be a shame if it doesn't happen. Well, you know, with the UFC being the clown circus that it became after that fight, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it doesn't look like they're ever going to fight again. I mean, that was one of the... I'm, you know, I was covering the fight. I'm watching it live. You, and you know, you you kind of like want to temper your reaction because maybe because you know I wanted Stipe to win, um, but I you know I respect the fighting game and I respect what Cormier did. But then the whole Brock Lesnar thing, you know, I immediately was disgusted with the whole thing uh, upon watching it, and my opinion didn't change any days later. And I'm a WWE fan. I mean, as you know, as a lot of people know, I covered WWE for Cleveland.com, but I wanted no part of anything that was going on there. That's really interesting, and I'm not a huge WWE fan, and I could, I thought it was disgusting. I, it, it was it really just uh, diminished the value of the UFC's brand at that moment to me as the viewer. The, it, I mean, what the hell was it? You know, it's like like I said, I'm a huge huge WWE fan. I have been as a kid. I cover it. I like Brock Lesnar's character on WWE. Um, but what are we doing? You right. know, I, I'm not for interviewing guys after they've been knocked out. I mean, maybe leave it up to them. If Stipe wanted to talk, he should have been afforded the opportunity. Um, and to just have this circus show that was pre-planned, you see what they wanted. You know Stipe wasn't going to play the Lesnar game. Um, Cormier calls him out. He comes in. This is a guy who hasn't legitimately beat anyone. I mean, he beat Mark Hunt, tested negative. I'm convinced the UFC hid those results till after that fight, or tested positive. And 
he has it. Why did he beat anybody? Right. I mean, what? Are, like, this is a title shot. Is this a? Why does anyone who's clean out a division and won that many fights in a row, like Stipe, not gotten a rematch? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's just all become about the uh, entertainment value. But again, I think the UFC is walking a, a fine line. They got to be very careful because yes. uh, I was turned off. I mean, I was so turned off that I I, I could easily be swayed not to watch that fight, uh, Lesnar and, and Cormier. That doesn't really excite me. Maybe it's because I'm not a huge WWE fan. Maybe I'm sure there's plenty of people that will tune in and buy it. It probably will still do over a million pay-per-views. Right. But the whole circus act and him calling Stipe a piece of shit after the fight, you know, he comes in there and he says, Miochis is a piece of shit. And he says, yeah, Ngannou's a piece of shit. Like, what was this? I'm going, what is going on here? Well, they brought him in and I'm like, look, if you want to do this, I don't know if this is the place and time. You could build a fight with Brock Lesnar. You don't have to do it exactly. after this fight because the guy can't fight till January anyway. So they do this whole thing and I'm starting to wonder, you know, I'm with you. Like, it prob- if you if you ask me, it, it probably will do over a million buys. But now I'm wondering, right, because are people sick of the show? The, right. the CM Punk didn't do any favors for that pay-per-view. That pay-per-view did not sell well. Um which you know, one was which one was that? Fight. Which one was he on? He was on that one. Was he on that one? That shows <laughs> you how much. Was he on that one? He was on the one before. I it. think he was on the one before it. But either way, that yeah. whatever one he was on, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Did not sell well. No, it didn't. So, Wasn't that the uh, Colby Covington one? I think you might be right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it became. They didn't one do well. Time. They didn't do well on that one at all. No, and it became people. Okay, we got the gimmick. We don't want this anymore. Now Lesnar won his fight, I'm using quotation marks against Mark Hunt, but um, yeah, I mean fool me once, you know it, it, anybody who knows fight, the MMA fans, there isn't anybody who thinks Brock Lesnar is going to beat Daniel Cormier. Exactly. I, I, can't <laughs> see, I can't see that ever happening. And I gotta tell you man, I, I here's the thing number one, I'm not into that fight at all uh, uh, because I just, I'm a I'm a I'm more of a purist and, and a realist of the sport. I want to see Cormier fight somebody that's worthy and deserving and legit. I'd love to see him fight Stipe again, and maybe it'll happen. I, I'm not sure that Brock Lesnar could truly get back to clean to uh, no, to, to, no, to even fight him. I, I really don't I'm know. With you. I don't think he's going to make it to January. Yeah. I mean, I'm because not sure that that could happen. With the diverticulitis and all the stuff he's suffering, I mean, he's obviously doing what he's doing to train. Um, so if Cormier does fight Stipe, because of the default, you know, this, this, this is utterly ridiculous. The thing is, guys are like, I want money fights. I get it, but then Cormier's talking about, well, I'll just defend my light heavyweight belt against Shogun. And I'm like, Shogun? I know, I saw that too. <laughs> what are we talking <laughs> yeah. about here? You just, that's just like when Bisbing fought Dan Henderson. I was just kind of like, like... Are we just picking? So now we just get to pick people who are who are names that we, we feel like we can beat? Like what is this? Yeah, Shogun is. I gotta tell you, uh, I'd rather Brock Lesnar deserves it more than Shogun. Yeah, all due respect to Shogun, a legend, but give yeah. me a, he, I mean, he even came out and said he was shocked that his name was being brought up. Yeah, I mean that was crazy. Shogun Shogun's lost majority of his fights the last five years of his career. It's insane. It's, <laughs> it's the obvious fight, and these idea of these money fights. I, I, if you ask me now, I think Cormier is going to be forced into fighting. Stipe, it's going to be either that or you're just not going to defend your, maybe you just don't defend your belt. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd like to see. Situations, I don't, yeah. what are we doing? Like the whole McGregor situation when he's winning titles, and I have a lot of respect for McGregor. Maybe I have that more than most people. As a fighter, I think he's great. He's phenomenal. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're winning belts and not defending them, and then we've got these intra belts. What happens if Brock Lesnar wins the belt? Now, let's say he shocks the world. He never defends it. Come on. 
No, he can't. And he, what is Brock? Brock's, Brock's got to be 40 years old now, too. Something like that. Something thereabouts, right? Yeah, I mean, he's up there. I he's don't be. He's got to be around that age. I, um, yeah, I know White's obsessed with him. Obsessed. <laughs> there's, no, there's no other human being on the planet that just... He basically texts Dana when he wants to come back to the UFC, and the, and he's got he's got the red carpet right to the right to the gold right to the uh, title shot. It's he crazy. Gets a lot it's crazy. of special treatment in WWE as well, but Vince McMahon and him have gone at it. You yeah, know? and I don't think Vince McMahon I don't think has ever done anything with Brock to the detriment of his brand. Um, if you're a fan, like maybe you don't agree with certain things Vince McMahon decides for for professional wrestling, but Dana White is just kind of turned this into. This, this circus of how can we sell pay-per-views and I'm just sick of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I am I agree with you, Troy. Uh, and I think they're walking up. they got to be very careful right now. I know they sold that company for $4 billion. Good for them. God bless them. And I know the new owners uh, are trying to just make it all about uh, all about the big hits. But again, man, stick to the game plan. It's like Stipe. Stick to what you're good at. Stick to the game plan and, and you're going to have a better chance of winning. It's the same thing here. Stick to the game plan of what got you there. And what got you there was the, the the grind of building stories, and maybe it's going to take two years to get to that big title shot. But build these guys up, you know, give give fans something to get behind. Right now, you're just throwing you're throwing whatever's the big quick hit right now. Brock Lesnar, okay, what's next then? I mean, there's no one at 205 that's being developed as as the next big star. Cormier cleared that division out. You know, start building stories around these guys. I think that's what got the UFC to where they are. I think it's the uh, it's like fi- following those fighters that you fell in love with, like you did on season one of Tough, and uh, and, and sticking with it and going with them on that journey rather than just looking for a a, a CM Punk or or someone with a high profile to come in and, and sell pay per views. It doesn't work. But Dana's you know Dana's mentality lately, his past few years, is all about the money. And you even it's not even just the Lesnar things. Think about how the. Stipe Naganyu fight developed. It was Dana talking about how badass Naganyu was, right? He's he's got as much punching power as a Ford car. Like nothing about Stipe. Yo, know, Stipe right. had all his rights to feel disrespected, um, despite this guy being the best heavyweight ever. Um, and and you could have built that into if Cain Velasquez ever returned, you could have the two best heavyweights ever. Instead, this guy Naganyu, and then it turns out the dude was a fraud. You know what I mean? He caught an overhyped overeem with just a vicious uppercut. Good for him. Dana White's talking about this guy's the next big thing ever, and he just labeled someone else the next big. The guy who beat um, Uriah Hall, another imposter of you know he's he's Anderson Silva. Dana's always looking for the hype <laughs> train. Hilarious. You know, yeah. it's, it, you're right. The developing funny, of people. It, this isn't rocket science, right? Like look it's at Cormier, light heavyweight. Gustafson yeah. a rematch rematch makes sense. Or have uh, gosh, now I'm blanking on um, the guy who was just who just lost to Whitaker. Um, Joel Romero. Yeah, if he wants to move up, that fight makes sense against Cormier as well. But no, now we got everything on standby to get this Brock Lesnar fight going. Yeah, yeah, it's silly. What, what did you th- go shifting gears a little bit since you brought up the uh, the, the whole Nangano thing? Talk about a little bit what you thought about that fight, uh, him versus uh, Derek Lewis. What the hell was that? That that was. If you could even call it a fight. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, you know, forget all the metrics. You know, I think there's a couple fights that have had less punches thrown, but on that stage, um, Derek Lewis, you know, he had a back injury, and when you fight a guy like Naganyu, you you you're worried. Stipe got part of the reason Stipe got tired because you're tense all the time because you this guy's going to knock your lights out with one punch. Um, but 
watching UFC where ref actually, I remember him warning people early on when I was watching UFC, like, either get the action going, you're like, this is a fight. <laughs> well, you know what? Herb Dean did uh, intervene at one point in the fight. And said, and he called timeout, and he said, "Guys, you guys have to engage. Like this is a fight." <laughs> and I've never, and I actually had never seen that before. So I, I was never, thrilled I've to never see seen that. A timeout. I've seen, I've seen a few fights that I've watched in the library of the UFC. That's like the only. This is going back though. Yeah. Where a, 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 a ref is just like, "Come on, guys, let's go." Um, if if, her, if they would have just called the fight at that point, no one would have minded. <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, I've never seen uh, that was the worst fight I've ever watched in my entire life, I, and it had the hype of being one of the best. You thought it was going to be fireworks; someone was going to go out. I mean, and the Ganu just even the punches he threw, which were like three or four punches per round, um, they looked absolutely so terrible. I mean, they, it looked like they were like like flinches almost, not even real punches. And uh, whatever happened to him between that Stipe fight and the Derek Lewis fight, after uh, the moment he got manhandled in that 25-minute war, you know, Stipe actually just destroyed him for 25 minutes. Whatever happened that night, man, he has not been able to overcome it over the last several months. And he has to, I think he even addressed it and said, something's happened to him and he needs to go back and figure it out mentally. Because it ain't physical. Ever, ever, I don't care about the knockout of Overeem. It's fun to watch. You know, it's like watching uh, Animals Gone Wild or something. You know, you watch it on repeat. Um, I don't ever want to see Naganyu fight again. And that's not for his safety, just my own personal boredom. Um, <laughs> I just don't ever want to see it again. Like, the Stipe fight wasn't entertaining, but whatever. Yeah. It's, it's MMA sometimes. Strategies and styles clash. But I don't ever want to see him fight again. And my point is, this is a guy that Dana White basically had penciled in as his Mike Tyson. Yeah, I know. Yeah, going that fight, and this is what Dana does. Yeah, that's He's, that's the problem. That's the you problem. Know, Uriah Hall during the Ultimate Fighter season, amazing spin kick knockout. Yeah. And He's like, I got the next Anderson Silva in the Ultimate Fighter. And this guy hasn't done a, a damn thing since the Ultimate Fighter ended. He didn't even win the, se- the season. Speaking of Dana, <laughs> that's a good point. Speak, <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of Dana, did you see this whole back and forth between him and Brendan Schaub recently? Oh, the one that ends with Brennan's job suggested they both had sex with the same woman who may or may not be Ronda Rousey. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I thought the, it was, you know, I don't know why Dana's getting, Dana's, you know, you got to be above that. I mean, Shab's, what does is, what is Shab do now? Is he like Shab's a, a, a red carpet reporter? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Shab's, a, Shab's clearly in the entertainment business. Between his podcasts and his uh, his stand-up comedy and, and some of the other things he's doing, he's all, he's all entertainment, man. He's full-throttle entertainment now, so... When it ended, I just it just made me laugh because Dana was getting it in, getting into it with Shab, which I thought was weird. But then, which kind of suggested there's some personal thing there. But then the comeback from Shab is, "Oh, you shouldn't say, you shouldn't test me. I, we both slept with the same woman." I was kind of like, "Wait, <laughs> what does this even become?" Yeah, like, I, I wanted yeah. to be like, if you even said like, "I know you had sex with Ronda Rousey," again, speculation. What does that even mean, anyway? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And you know what, man? It's it, when he said when he. I actually had to look it up because I wasn't sure. It's been so long since I heard the term uh, reference Eskimo brothers. Because that's what yeah, he he said. This yeah. is no way that that Eskimo brothers should be talking to each other. And this is your last warning. So I was like, damn, dude. I think I know what Eskimo brothers means, but I got to go back and look at it. And then it's like slang for you know two guys sharing the same igloo with the you know. <laughs> two brothers sharing an igloo with the same woman, basically, and uh, so two guys sleeping with the same girl, 
And I'm going, dude, could you imagine if, if that is who it is and if it's true, could you imagine how crazy that is? If it, if it is true that the boss was sleeping with, with one of his fighters, kind of crazy. I think that that is crazy. And I think that Dana, you know, Dana always made himself, he put himself out there. You don't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. But, you know, and, and to, some, to some extent, it's been great for the UFC. Oh, the absolutely has. It has. It has. I mean, he's clearly, uh, it, the UFC would have been successful. I don't think it would have been as successful without Dana at the right. helm. I mean, Dana turned it into a spectacle in his own way. And uh, when I became a fan of the UFC, it was because of, because of John Jones coming. When I think I probably became a fan about six years ago. Started getting back into it, like really into it. And it was because of this kid named John Jones who was tearing people up. And uh, Dana White, man, who I would, I would literally, I'd sit there on YouTube and watch Dana's uh, interviews, and I was like, "Damn, this is so." He's making it exciting, he's so I got to give him credit. Well, he is. You know, John. I, you know, John. Obviously, I, I don't know if you know, John born in Rochester, New York, and went to high school there, where I'm from. Um, now, to be clear, no one knew who he was at that point. He went off and trained, uh, started training in another spot in New York, um, and, and that's when he kind of took off. And then he obviously went to Greg Jackson's camp, uh, him and Weekle John, but. Dana's been great, and he's he's kind of thwarted all comers. You know, people saying it's just cockfighting, or uh, you know, it's not it's not as scientific as boxing. But you do get to a point where you start to you start to become your own celebrity. You start to believe your own hype. Um, and I, I don't know if he's putting himself out there a little too much. But I mean, look, if he was having sex with Ronda Rousey as a guy, more power to him. Great, um, but. <laughs> In the position you're in. Yeah, it's a little tricky if that's true. You know, it's a little different when you're the boss of the organization. It's a little bit different, but especially when you know. And this is all this is all speculation. Special treatment, but if you throw that into the mix, it's hard to argue against anyone who would say that. (laughs) Well, you know, Shaw referenced Ronda earlier in that in that uh, Instagram post or tweet or whatever it was. He said he said you know when you're done folding Ronda's laundry, so (laughs) just the whole thing became a shit show. But uh, I think those guys have have quieted down over the last week. It seems like. Uh, but hey, let me take you through. Uh, uh, let me, shifting gears back to back to the fighters. Let's talk. Let's uh, wrap up some of this UFC talk. But I wanted to uh, just get your thought on these various divisions and, and who you like, either either the champ or or who you like as an up and comer. So let's just run through it and see what your thoughts are. Um, so bantamweight, we kind of we kind of hit on. I, I, obviously, flyweight. I, I imagine you don't see anyone beating Demetrius for a while. Like I said, anybody can get got, but maybe I'm going to change that to anyone can get got except to be just. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, exactly. What's the, what's the Hudo going to do to him? Nothing. Honestly. Nothing. We already saw what happened the first time. It wasn't even much of a fight. You know what? I want to say if Dillashaw dropped down, that, that it would intrigue me, obviously, but we're, Dillashaw once got knocked out by Dodson, so I don't even know yeah. if Dillashaw wants to go to that level of speed again. <laughs> So we'll move on from that. That that division is so that's such a tough division for me to get any interest in. Even as as amazing as Mighty Mouse is, man, they can't he can't seem to get any kind of interest going. It's well, insane. He's, he's owned it from the beginning. That's the thing too. You know, he beat Benavides, and then mm-hmm. yeah. it's just Ben Johnson. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so TJ and Cody uh, Dominic Cruz is kind of hanging out in, in the wings. There's a couple guys up and coming. Uh, like Moraes and Jimmy Rivera and, and, and Asunsa. How do you see that division playing out over the next couple of years? Um, you know, obviously, if Cody beats TJ, they should run that back as the trilogy. 
I think Dom, like I respect for Dom, I think he's done. And it's because, you know, I don't think he can beat Garbrandt and I don't think he can beat Dillashaw now. Um, if you look at the history of fights where a guy, an older fighter is lost uh, to a younger guy and they rematch, almost always the younger guy wins. Uh, in a title fight, and I don't think I, I don't think he could beat Garbrandt. I don't think he'll beat him. And I I, I think Dillashaw won the first fight between against um, Dominic. So uh, I don't I, I shouldn't say he's done. I just think it's more becoming Garbrandt Dillashaw's. Uh, but then you know a younger guy could come up. A Sun Sal, he doesn't excite me, but he's you know he wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jimmy Revere, if Revere's fighting Dominic, is he fighting Dominic next? Is he? I don't. I don't know. He's fighting next. Yeah. Maybe that's the fight they're trying to set up, or they set something up. Yeah, I haven't um, seen that announced officially, but I, I, they could have. I, I'm not sure. I think it's if Dillashaw wins. I think he he wants a super fight against somebody. So maybe he does drop down to Demetrius. And assuming Demetrius beats Cejudo, that actually makes sense for both of them, just from a next fight standpoint. Um, if Garbrandt wins, like I said, you got to run back TJ, and then Dominic Cruz. Even though I I wouldn't like him against either of those guys. He's still Dominic Cruz, and he deserves a shot at the title anytime he wants it at this point. And that um, fight's coming up this weekend, right? Next weekend? Yeah, that's 28? right around the corner, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like TJ's talking a lot. Like, look at his chin. Look at Cody's chin. But, you know, Cody almost had him in the first round of that fight. I know, so. man. I know. I'm, I'm a big Garbrandt fan. I'd love to see Garbrandt pull that one back. Look, they both, you know, either one of them, can. Uh, I think it could knock the other out. It could also go five rounds and be a closely contested fight. So yeah. it's going to be a great fight. Uh, featherweight division, uh, Holloway's the champ. He had some issues recently, as we saw. They had to pull him from the fight. Um, he had some issues with uh, where he was, what was it? He was he was concussed? Yeah, they're talking about he might be out for a long time now. Yeah, he had some major issues with the brain. And you saw it yeah. in, in leading up to the fight, and, and they're going, hey, man, are you okay? You are not. You don't seem like yourself this week. And he's all loopy yeah. going, yeah, man, I'm okay, I'm all right. And uh, and obviously, 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 he wasn't. But uh, Ortega and you got Aldo and, and Frankie Edgar and Jeremy Stevens. What, how do you see this one playing out? If you if you could look into your crystal ball, I think Ortega is going to get an interim title shot. Even though supposedly the UFC's mad at him because he didn't want to fight somebody on like three days' notice or whatever the hell it was, like um, somebody different. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Frankie Edgar getting his forty eighth title shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frankie, and if anyone deserves the two division champ like for their career, right. more power to him. But um, uh, yeah, it just seems like maybe that's not in the cards. And then you have Mendez, who just came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think Ortega is uh, is phenomenal, and I think he's going to have uh, probably own this division for quite a while. He's the guy. I mean, unless McGregor shows up and says, "Hey, I'm back." Um, which yeah, I don't. Yeah, of course. Knowing Dana, probably let he probably let McGregor fight Daniel Cormier. If they really <laughs> exactly. Do that. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Ortega. The fact that he's it just his his uh, jiu-jitsu game is so sick, and sick. the fact that he's knocking people out. Um, you know, knocking out Frankie Edgar is no small tad. I mean, that's quite an achievement. That's just deadly combination right there. Yeah, when I we knew that he can strangle the hell out of it, practically anyone in the in the uh, UFC. But when he knocked Frankie out, I go, okay, this kid, this kid, this kid's the next one. I mean, he's the next guy for sure. You know, so okay, light, light, lightweight. We've got lightweight is clearly 
the most exciting division right now because you've got that that that, that love triangle between Khabib, Tony, and Connor, and uh, a couple, and, and then a couple other guys in the wings. So, so how do you see this one uh, unfolding here? Um, you know, it's, it's Dana White. You know, and knowing Dana as we've we talked about it, obviously he can make mistakes with the left thing, but Dana knows the fight to make that we all want to see. And that's Khabib Connor because basically it's turned into an episode of, of of Sons of Anarchy or something, you know, uh, Peaky Blinders, where this is like off camera mafia thing. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, look, Dana said it best. Connor, why are you why are you attacking a buzz? We want to fight this guy. That's what we do. Like yeah. we set up fights. Um, all this is done. I mean, it's a huge money fight now. Huge, I don't think anybody huge. really gave a crap in terms of mainstream audience about Khabib. With all due respect to him. Um, but now, I mean, this is the fight to make, and poor Ferguson tripped over. I know, cord. man. He cannot. I mean, he's had such tough breaks the last few years with this <laughs> whole know. thing. He um, can't get to a fight with these guys. He's going to be sitting on the sideline. You know, look, rest up, Tony. Get healthy. You're going to probably eventually get a shot at the winner of Khabib and Connor. But man, that is the fight to make right there. It is, and I got to give a shout out to Will Harris from Will Harris Productions. He came on the podcast several weeks ago. Uh, Will Harris, um, you might not know his name, but he's the uh, producer for uh, Anatomy of a Fighter documentaries. And uh, it was his footage. He was on the bus with that whole Khabib team. <laughs> it was his footage that went viral, man. That was him on the bus where the where, where Connor throws the dolly through the window. Uh, they, they, UFC, everyone, that was his footage. So that footage right there, which is probably the most epic footage in UFC history, is going to be the footage that is played a million times before that fight before that fight happens. Yeah, that's the fight to make. They're just waiting for the legal issues, but I mean, come on, money. That's just money right there. Was that two million buys? Oh yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Between it's Russia versus Ireland, and then of course all the st- all, oh, all the interest in the United States. And Connor was just at the World Cup with President Putin. I mean, man, oh, they are God. they are working all the angles. <laughs> they're, they're they're building the hype right now subtly. So. And then you got the whole. I mean, we're not. We're, we don't have to dig into this too deep. But who do you who you got? You know. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and, and I can go either way on that. Um, I wasn't that impressed with Khabib. I, I think Khabib's one of the best fighters in the world, and and um, and maybe the best fighter, maybe the best fighter in the world. I, he's one of my favorites, and uh, and I thought he was unstoppable. I wasn't that impressed with him on the Ayakinta fight. And I think maybe he said he, I don't know, maybe he was trying to just test his stand-up game a little bit. Um, but I want to see, when I see Khabib, man, I want to just see him take these guys down like he did to Michael Johnson or to Edson Barboza. Did you see that fight? Oh, my God. Poor, poor Barboza. You know, you're manhandling people. There's something about McGregor, though, and not the personality, but reminds me of Liddell in his prime. Like, just something about that left hand. And eventually power fades, you know, you get older. But man, like when he what he did to Eddie Alvarez, people need to know Eddie Alvarez is a warrior, man. Yeah. I mean, he just destroyed him. <laughs> he did. He did. He made um, he made light work of him. He made light work of Alvarez. He he did the same thing to Poirier. Um and, and these guys are big these guys are killers. These guys are top five fighters in the in that division. Yeah, I mean that that that's the fight to make that that is the most exciting division, and that's going to headline something. Dana's licking his chops on that for sure. And you know who I think is my dark horse? Maybe not really even a dark horse anymore, but the guy I think will ultimately be holding that belt in that division, maybe not for a few years, is Kevin Lee. I think Kevin Lee is 
tremendously talented. I, I, I mean, I'm very impressed with him. I really like him a lot as a fighter. Oh, yeah, he's great. I think he's, you know, he obviously uh, he had the staff infection in the Ferguson fight, I think. But, yep, um, exactly. He's quite the athlete. He's definitely got, he's going to be in the discussion for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he actually had Ferguson in some trouble in that first round of that fight. Um, Kevin Lee's going to be a killer, man. Give him, give him some time. I like his style. He's he's good on he's good on the ground. He's good at jujitsu. He was just down in Phuket, Thailand, doing uh, some rolling out there with uh, the guys at um, uh, what was it called? Uh, one of the training facilities in uh, Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket. And uh, his stand-up's phenomenal. So watch out for Kevin Lee. Uh, welterweight division. Tyron Woodley. I'm not that excited about this division. Um, like I used to be, 170 was kind of always the, the gold standard. Not not so much anymore uh, uh, the past several years. But I do like Darren Till. What, what are your thoughts? Like Till, I wasn't a fan of the fight um, that he just did against um, Wonder Boy. But, right. um, I mean, Woodley, Woodley, look, I get Woodley. He thinks he deserves all this star power from UFC. But get your head out of your ass. Covington set it up for you to be that guy. Shut him up. And, you know... I think Cummings I mean, is overhyped, but, you know, Woodley, get in there, fight him, knock yeah, him out, yeah. and make a star out of yourself and stop whining. I get his beefs, but I'm with you. You know, I'm not that excited. I was really excited when, you know, Robbie Lawler's throwing haymakers with, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, having fight of the year candidates every fight. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. Yeah, him and, and uh, Rory McDonald and... Uh, Man, yeah. Carlos Condit, and every, you know when George St. Pierre was there. Obviously, I mean that, yeah, that the, division uh, was amazing. The, Woodley just needs Woodley's too much, too calculated of a businessman fighter to me. Like it's just a lot of like smoke and mirrors and, and just let, let, let's fight. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of entitle a lot of entitlement for somebody that looks pretty terrible in a lot of his fights. I mean, I I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get I it. I mean, it's 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 this idea. Like it's he's part of the whole thing of like I want money fights. I want to you know just fight. Yeah, funny. yeah. You want money fights? Meanwhile, you go out there and you dance with uh, Stephen Thompson for two, two, two times. I mean, yeah. you're doing the same thing that just happened with. Uh, I, I didn't like those fights at all. The same thing that just happened with Ngannou. You're, you're just dancing around. Yeah. Um, middleweight uh, Whitaker's the champ. Yoel Romero, uh, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman. What, what do you think? Uh, Romero's probably got to move out of division. I don't want to see anybody get three title shots. Um, Whitaker's great. I know he's hurt. Um, Weidman and Rockhold, like, you know, Dana Dana didn't do that division. That division got put on hold with that whole Bisbing crap, right? It should have been a run back. Rockhold or Weidman probably beats Bisbing. It wasted a lot of time um, with that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think uh, there's guys that are talented, but they're getting older, you know, and Rockhold's chin just has turned into a piece of glass. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like yeah. Whitaker. I think it should be hard for someone to beat Whitaker when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I used to think Luke Rockhold was one of the greatest in the world. Dude, me too. I mean, he was what he did to Weidman was just so ridiculous. Um, that was vicious. Less it was so vicious. Spin kicks, if you don't know how to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it might have never happened if Weidman never, never went for that silly kick. But uh, I thought Rockhold was on top of the world. And then, then you know, a couple injuries and, and a, a loss to Bisming. Man, he's he's had trouble getting back on, on track. Um, but he's still probably one of the best if he's healthy. I bet you he comes back strong if he can stay healthy. Um, and then we talked about light heavyweight and heavyweight pretty much. So uh, uh, that, I think that really covers it. I think the gist of it is 
um, as you and I have kind of pointed out without really saying it, we, we've, I guess we've kind of touched on it, is the UFC has a lot of work to do because there's a lot of guys that have just been lingering around that aren't that exciting anymore, and they're all in the top two or three of their divisions. Um, they need to start focusing on the future and building the brand around these young up-and-comers. I'm with you, and I... No, because you think about it, right? Cormier is probably, if you look at it now, going to retire with both belts, um, which is probably what he wants to do. Is why he's bringing up fighting Shogun. Yeah. So then, yeah. what do you have? Because then you get someone like Stipe, who, let's say, Stipe fights um, Curtis Blades for the belt. And if if Cormier retires and Stipe wins it, they got this thing hanging over him, like. He's not the real champ, just like Cormier with the light heavyweight belt because he never actually beat Jones. So you've sure. just completely done a disservice to the heavyweight division if yeah. that happens. Um, and the same thing with light heavyweight. Is Gustafson the championship? Is champion? <laughs> is Romero the champion? Right. You got, you know, it's you got to run these rematches back because you got to limit. That's how it works. You got to give someone. You got to find out is that was it just that night or who is really the better man, and then. The awesome thing is you could potentially get a trilogy fight out of these things. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, listen, uh, I know we're short on time. Thank you for uh, coming on today. We can do it again. We, we could probably talk again about uh, a million different things in the city of Cleveland, covering sports, entertainment, culture like you are. Uh, really appreciate your time, Troy. We'll link up uh, your social media links in the, in the episode, and uh, we'll do it again. Definitely, man. Thanks so much. Anytime. Thanks, Troy. Take care. The Optimal Life. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Optimal Life. Really appreciate the support. And uh, if you guys enjoy what you're listening to and enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please click subscribe and give us the five-star rating so we can continue to elevate the podcast within Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that the podcast is played and provided. And uh, leave us a comment. Leave us feedback. You could. Uh, we're always open to feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to improve the show. And if there's something that we're missing, then let us know. You could reach me also on Instagram at Nathan Haber. And uh, again, I know that you have a lot of listening options these days. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people sharing different things. So if you are listening to this podcast, and if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Uh, very grateful for that. And uh, we're going to continue providing you guys with the best content possible so that we can continue to live an optimal life and be our optimal and best selves. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.